I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon, and this week, strength training. Strength training for endurance athletes and, of course, for life. We welcome longtime Purple Patch coach Mike Orzinski. And as you'll find out in a few moments, Mike and I had a really compelling conversation around the components of a proper strength program, how to tailor it to an endurance athlete, why strength is so important to be a thriving human, and even some of the classic mistakes that so many make when attacking this important component of performance. Strength is one of the pillars of Purple Patch in both sport and life, and so I don't think we can skip over it. One might say this is an unmissable episode. Mike is absolutely brilliant in this, so good at clearly breaking it down into digestible chunks. And so we're going to dive in. But just before we do, Barry, get the ukulele out because it is Word of the Week. We like the way he thinks, serious with the way. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary Word of the Week. And the Word of the Week this week is Daytona. Yes, many of you folks would have seen some wonderful racing at the first PTO championship race based out of Daytona, Word of the Week, Florida. And the event was professionally produced in the midst of the chaos and it didn't disappoint. The racing was simply fearsome. And within this event, many of you Purple Patch aficionados noticed a very strong performance from our pro Sam Appleton. How would I label his performance? Bold, brave, relentless. He overcame a tough swim, coming out almost a minute behind the front pack, which is very unusual for him, but with an incredibly strong bike ride and an even stronger run, he finished with a highly credible sixth place. A wonderful accomplishment in a huge field. Not bad for his first race of the year. Now, I've got to say that we didn't really know what to expect as it had been so long without racing. And since the race, several people have said, well, what, what led, do you feel led into this performance? And so... I wanted to share. I wanted to shed some insight. And the reason that I'm doing this today is that many of the points that come out around Sam as an athlete directly correlate to much of what we have been broadly discussing over the last months. So there are a lot of lessons right here from that laid-back Aussie Sam Appleton. Now, I want to preface before I begin here, this was unmistakably Sam's performance. This guy can flat out race. He has the gumption for the big races and his consistency across championship races I think is absolutely brilliant. And as the racing across the field just gets harder and harder, faster and faster, well he just keeps on rolling with it and evolving. So congratulations. But I've got some points but I'm actually going to lead with some thoughts that Sam said himself. 
And so I think this is really interesting. When asked, what led you to having a great performance? Here's what he wrote. I really want to iterate that within the lockdowns and the race cancellations, as soon as they were happening, Matt and I chatted early on and we decided to remove the remental strain of training out of the program. There was very few really structured workouts and instead I got my focus back onto the pure love of swimming, biking, running. My only bike that has a power meter on it is my TT bike and that sat in my garage, collecting dust from April to October. I rode my gravel bike and road bikes exclusively, all sans power. I did hard rides, but no really specific intervals. The terrain dictated much of my effort, and I was doing a lot of exploration all through the summer. And when it counted, as we transitioned around October, and we dialed it back in, and I dusted off the TT bike, I was so excited to train hard, and I was so enjoying having the structure back, all pivoting around this Challenge Daytona, that I ended up showing up fit and fresh. Hmm, interesting that. Do you remember us talking about soul-filling training? So yes, there is great potency in sometimes mixing it up. And it's really critical to have a little element of specificity, but also being able to stay really mentally fresh. And in this incredibly stressful year, that's exactly what we encourage Sam to do. I would add a couple of little elements on here as well. Within this freedom, we did focus on a couple of key things. The first, for you listeners from a couple of weeks ago when we talked about multi-sport running, Sam was actually the recipient of the Matt Dixon Little Special Run Project. Really, really frequent, low-stress, short, easy runs. From May until September, Sand followed the Run Project approach. He had a little knee issue, and we wanted to build tissue resilience. With most of the runs being well under 50 minutes, a lot of 15, 20, 25-minute runs, all easy and not a step in anger. And so if one of the world-class pros can do it, vroom, I think you can too. And as soon as we ramped on specificity, well, the run accelerated. And then the second component that I think is really important was an absolute obsession on strength. We had a lower let stress program overall, and so we amplified strength. There are no free rides, but there is a lot of freedom within the scope of training. So we had a big obsession on mobility, core, stability, movement patterns, and strength. And it was promoted to the forefront. So there it is, the word of the week, Daytona. Sam Appleton, congratulations, a wonderful performance. You get to bring out the gravel bike for a few more weeks, all over the fun winter months. And for the rest of us, well, let's talk about strength. Let's go to coach Michael Zinski and let's do the meat and potatoes. And yes, folks, it is the meat and potatoes, and it's been 10 years, 10 years of Coach Mike Orzinski being a part of Purple Patch, and I've been desperately every day for 10 years trying to persuade him 
to get him onto the podcast, even though we started the podcast only a couple of years ago. But joining us today to talk about strength and conditioning for the endurance athlete, Coach Mike, thanks for joining us. It is a privilege and an honor to finally make it. It really, truly is. Excited yeah. to be here. Thank you. Good stuff. We're, um, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty details. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun because we are both within the Purple Patch ecosystem, so we know each other very, very well. We've been working with each other for 10 years. But as I do for every guest, I'd love to kick off today to get into this discussion around strength. Just give the listeners a little bit of a, a background on on your background, family, where you're from, etc. Well, I am from a wonderful little town called Endicott, New York, which is upstate New York where people don't realize it actually exists. It's not New York City. Um, I have two siblings, both of whom tremendous athletes in their own right. I have a, a younger brother and a younger sister, Brad and Molly. Um, Molly's currently a Division One swimmer at the University of Maine a.k.a. faster than I could ever even dream of being in the water. Um, <laughs> my mom lives in upstate, and my dad has recently moved down to Alabama. Oh, wow. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, super. Yep. And your, uh, your educational background, you, you sort of went through university and, uh, and your master's degree, both uh, exercise science, exercise physiology. That's right. I've, I've always been just had – I've always had a love for science – and the body especially. So I studied biology in mm-hmm. undergrad. I got a bachelor's in biology from uh, Queens University in Charlotte and then really got a chance to specialize in what I always wanted to do, which is study exercise. Mm-hmm. And so exercise physiology became the, the track after that. And one of the things that, you know, in our sort of coaching with each other that I've always really appreciated about you is so well-rounded and you – have not been a lifelong endurance athlete per se. You grew up in high school, pretty different, yeah? Absolutely. Um, I've been the classic jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none athlete, but um, always started in team sports and played hockey for 12, 13 years. It was pretty much my entire life growing up. And then, like most people in upstate New York do, you, you dabble in lacrosse for a little while. Oh, yeah. And then you go off and play it in college. It's kind of... It's kind of the trajectory for us upstaters. Well, it's, it's a great uh, it's a great framework, and we're going to talk more about your your accomplishments as an endurance athlete. You've done mm. again a sort of uh, many things on this triathlons. You've run 50, 50 miles, your longest uh, running. That's race. it. I have I have the ultra the ultra title. Uh, the I ultra, have. yeah. That's uh, <laughs> not the fact, buckle yet. You, but. you and I now, you and yes. I, we've both done the fifty miler, and we both maybe one day together. Maybe. Well, maybe so. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would be nervous to race you, but uh, <laughs> and and you still run a mile much faster than any purple patch pro female athlete, which is wonderful. Uh, you are also a great guitar player. You love to surf because you've moved to California. You mm-hmm. are the Brooklyn come California boy all around. But today we're going to talk about strength and. We're going to focus this discussion all around it, particularly for endurance sports athletes, but also we'll, we'll talk a lot about life performance as well. I always find that strength, when it, when it gets labelled, in fact globally, but, but particularly around endurance athletes, is such a broad term. And so I, I think we should first establish what do we mean by strength training? It's a purple patch pillar, but I know that some people think, Great, it's push-ups and pull-ups and 
then other people think, well, it's bodybuilders and uh, and uh, Gold's Gym, etc. And endurance athletes sometimes talk about strength as running up or down hills. So here's my first question. What are we talking about with strength training? It is such a great point that you make because it is incredibly broad. And strength, functional strength has just kind of been the bucket that catches all the terms nowadays, all across the gamut. But it is really a thing. And here is what I consider to be strength training. There are five basic biomotor abilities that our human body can train. And I like to go through them in order because you can't really go to the next without the previous. So the first thing that I do believe strength consists of is mobility and stability. The yin and the yang. Got to have a little bit of both. And some people need to train one more than the other. So mobility and stability. Following that is balance and coordination. So the ability to balance your body and the ability to coordinate movements. On top of that, you can actually get into the real word of strength. All right, so the third biomotor ability, strength. The prolonging of strength, endurance. So that's all under the same kind of bucket. If we move forward from that, once you master strength and endurance, we can get to a lot of people's favorite thing to do, which is create power. So it's taking the strength or the endurance that you have and adding in an element of time. Okay. Yeah. The ability to take power and to sustain that is then power endurance, which gets us to the final biomotor ability, speed. And it's taking strength, endurance, power, and power endurance and moving it over a distance, which is funny enough, it's where a lot of people jump to without training the first four. So I like to go in that order, and those are the five biomotor abilities that I think strength are. Okay, so I'm going to go back through these because I and I was listening there carefully, and I, I hope I've got these in memory. But the, the first, the first couple, mobility and stability. So it's very basic movements: mobility around the joint, free range of movement, having good, in some ways, posture. I guess yeah, like the ability to stay really stable, like an oak tree rather than a. Uh, a little sapling that can blow over in the wind. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the second one, I think you called it balance and coordination. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because when I, I always jokingly, but, but <laughs> there's a serious undertone to it, say when, when a triathlete is asked to put their finger to their nose, they poke themselves in the eye. So mm-hmm. actually having a real spatial awareness and a, an ability to actually balance in, on single leg, etc., but also coordinate their movements obviously has an application to form, yeah, technique and the ability. Absolutely. And, and it's only then that you start to layer in what most people think about, like real load and strength. Absolutely. Um, I learned a lot of this. This is some real tremendous learning that I did, and it changed the way I thought about strength because you always think, okay, I'm starting strength. I go to the gym. I load up the bench press. Yep. But what I learned was you spend a good two months – making sure you have the requirements of mobility and stability. Because if you don't have a certain thing, you can be, there's a kind of popular catchphrase called blocked. And if you don't have the right mobility or the stability in certain areas to create motion, then your exercises are blocked. And what we're trying to always do is make sure there's no blockages when we do start hitting the gym and lifting things. 
That's fascinating. Now, you know what? I, I, I come straight away to this word that we always talk about, the journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, people talk about the role of strength, and we're going to get into that in a second. But you, you just outlined five phases, mobility, stability, balance, coordination, strength into, into endurance of that strength. And then, then finally, almost like the, the icing and the cherry, power and power endurance into speed at the end of it. That seems like a, a, a really potentially long journey for people to navigate. And I, and I guess that no different than endurance, consistency is a key word. Absolutely. Consistency is the word. It's layered. There are layers upon layers. And that is what I love about true functional strength training and programming is that, you know, it, it might not be a season or even two till you really get to train speed, but you don't feel frustrated by that. It's, it's a fun project to notice your body just starting to accept and absorb the right kind of training. And I guess when we look at really seasoned athletes across all sports doing some amazing things in the gym, that, that's really your point is, hang on, you, you need to sort of build the foundation before you, you start layering the wallpaper on the walls. And, um, and for an endurance athlete, that's it. and I guess that word consistency, like straight away as we'll talk about later, it has to be year round. There's there's not enough time in a year to get everything that you need to get done. So if you're missing weeks and missing months, it, you just you're never gonna make that jump. So it is it is weekly. It, it has to happen all year round. And even then, there's still not enough time to get all the stuff done that you want to get done. Which is why it's the layers. Well, that's, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about structured and progressive. I think what you laid out there is that the clearest, the, the, the clearest way I've actually thought about it in, in those building blocks, building it up on top of each other. It's, it's so, so helpful to think about that. And, uh, and I guess my, my next question is, okay, the elements of a proper program went through. So, so what are we looking to achieve? What are, what are the benefits of integrating a strength and conditioning program as you lay it out there, um, how do you break that down? Well, the common initial thought is to be a better athlete, and, and it is a performance enhancer. It's legal. You don't have to test for it. It's, it's a, it is there for you to legally enhance your performance. And I think a lot of people start to get that, but underneath that, it's, it's just creating a better functioning human being. And if you are a well-functioning and well-oiled machine – of course, you're going to be a better athlete, all right? But from, from the real basics, and if you look at every single strength exercise at some level, there is posture, mm-hmm. technique, posture, form, all those things are massively, massively important. And not just to how you sit at your desk or how you walk around the streets or climb a flight of stairs, but how you last over an endurance event your bike posture, your swimming posture, your body position, your running posture. I mean, you and I have both watched the end of multiple Ironmans. And what the, you don't see suffering without loss of posture. Well, right? uh, you know, it's, it's funny you say it because as, as you were saying that, and, and I want to go back and enhance, say two things first. You, the first thing you talked about was enhancement of performance. And, and it's funny because I – always hear coaches and athletes say to prevent injury you didn't even mention that yet and i'm sure we'll get there but posture that word 
two things sprung out of me, a little tangent here, but important. The first is that the number of people we've worked through in this crazy year that have had real postural challenges with Zoom fatigue, if you want to call that, a lot of low back challenges, too much time sitting. And then just this last weekend, we, we watched the Daytona race, the triathlon that was on a dead flat course going around and around in circles. And we talked about, in fact, we were putting out um, while the race was going on, the challenge of being in one position for an extended time, 80 kilometers, and how it was probably going to lead to a lot of cramping because of postural fatigue. And across, and, and lo and behold, it happened, a lot of the athletes got off the bike and ended up cramping. In swimming, biking, running, our predominant sport that we coach, each of those, the very first thing is establishing and being able to retain under fatigue posture. So that, that's funny that you say, okay, boom. So postural health, number one, I'll, I'll let you carry on. Okay, what are some of the other benefits? It's, and so many things tie into that too. But I mean, then of course you do get, when these things are going well and you have great posture, you will prevent injuries. You won't get injured. You'll move from the right joints. You'll move from the right synchronization patterns, which lead to healthy muscles, supple muscles that are supposed to be supple, healthy joints, well-lubricated, healthy bones, and strong, dense bones. And if all those things are happening, you're not going to get injured. You're just, you're just going to be moving well. A layer upon that, metabolism. You know, when, when someone needs to improve their body composition, what's the first thing that a professional typically suggests? Get a strength coach. Strength coach <laughs> get in the yeah. gym, hit the weights, yeah. you know, improve your muscle mass. And then if you're metabolic and improving your muscle mass, you will, as, as you know, the common theme is, you burn body fat. You're just a, at a higher level every single day. It's not about how many calories you eat throughout the day. It's just your machine is improving. And then, I mean, if you want to get into the elite end of the benefits of strength and the, the real enhancement side, it is the platform of improving your power. And then if you can improve your power, the, the hope is that you can then improve your speed. So, yeah, it's a platform for those two things. I like, I like what you said there, the platform of power, because uh, there's, there's a lot of argument, which I think is the wrong argument to be having, which is, does strength training increase your power on the bike? Does strength training increase your power production on the run? And it's, it's actually the, the platform from which you can optimize your unavoidable critical specific training that you are doing in whatever sport you're doing so it's providing the base the platform of movement synchronization stability so that you can optimize things like hill runs and, and hill repetitions or high torque low gear on the bike etc so it's that sort of platform so, so we are keeping healthy and, and i'll add on that that health injury prevention assuming you're not being crazy on the training and you're not underslept and you're not have got poor habits around nutrition but uh injury prevention obviously postural health this improved metabolism and a, and a platform for you to optimize the endurance training it's super so so why is there then uh, the controversy around the role of strength for endurance athletes well, I, I guess it's i guess you've almost answered it but why, why do you feel like it's so important well i think of it this way if if you are in an endurance event whether you're swimming biking or running amplify how many muscle movements you make in one minute and we typically talk about that as strokes per minute 
in the swim, SPM. RPMs, very popular term in, mm-hmm. in cycling. And then cadence or, or foot speed in running. And one minute of that, 80, 90, 100, right? On the low end of RPMs when we're doing strength endurance, it's 50 to 55, 60. That's still 60 movements a minute. And your opportunity to be perfect in each one of those movements is very low. <laughs> That's a movement a second or more. So, of course, we want to be efficient and we want to have good economy, but it's impossible to correct the economy of each stroke stride or, or footstep in a minute. Mm-hmm. Your place to correct those things is when you're doing 10 squats in a minute or when you're doing a single leg deadlift or a step up or a lunge or an overhead press. And you can truly focus on the way your bones move around the joint. And that is the way that can cross-pollinate, as we say all the time, that can then cross-pollinate into the movements you create when you're in the swim or the bike or the run. And so while you, of course, can't miss the specific sessions for swim, bike, and run, the strength is kind of how you will show up to those sessions, I think. That's a lovely is that, way. Is that a weird way to say it? No, it's <laughs> a lovely way to say it. And I think it, it what it does straight away is dismiss the notion that what strength training is for endurance athletes is basically replicating, so doing 80, 100, 120 repetitions right. that many think, well, that's that, I'm an endurance athlete. It's like, no, it's actually stabilizing the joint, doing really, really well for less repetition so that when you do the increased repetitions or intervals on your endurance training, mm-hmm. it's going to be yeah. uh, optimized. So, so let me ask you this. Without, and, and you're a scientist, and I don't want you to be too, too sciencey here, which is always a challenge for, every, for all of us. But I, I, I would like you to define the benefits of strength from more of a hormone perspective. Oh, my favorite. Well, inevitably, time will, will start to win, and we can't beat it. There's no, there's no cure for time. And what time does, it, it degrades some of our very important sex hormones that relate to our muscle health, our bone health. So strength training is very, very proven to sustain and prolong a strong level of sex hormones, testosterone and estrogen. Obviously these are important things and not just now, but having the muscle mass to produce these hormones over time is incredibly important. So even for a younger athlete, getting in the habit and having the the strong balanced body can have a knock on effect 20 years down the line. And that's been really well researched and proven. But one, one thing that I think is important to think about too hormonally is that strength training can improve your sleep. So when you break down and you're degrading muscle tissue, the place that it rebuilds is while you're sleeping. And the anabolic process of rebuilding muscle happens when you sleep. So certain hormones that are required to rebuild muscle tell your body to go to sleep. So I know a ton of athletes that have issues getting good deep sleep. And one of my first questions is, well, do you, do you strength train? And a common answer is not, not really. And um, that means they don't really do it to the point where you're going to get that nice hormonal response that, that essentially put you to sleep. And it couples with something you talk about a lot, which is maybe a little protein snack before bed 
th- this is something that is is part of the cycle that improve the next day all the time and uh yeah i'm running out of good ways to say that but <laughs> no that's uh that that's super that's really interesting i'm gonna end I, I i like the the, the premise of preparing for the future as well because when we a little bit later we'll talk about the maturing athlete and you sort of just danced on on that side of it a little bit but also the female athlete and the massive role of and and let's go there now if we can but the massive role of female athletes or females globally and the importance of of strength for them and as people start to mature but that doesn't mean that you wait to your pre-menopausal to start to integrate strength you want to start preparing for that all the way through so, so if we can so jump ahead a little bit let's let's talk about females and uh and, and older athletes well it's to me being in this world with you it's it's just such common speak and common language to know that it's just important for females and and maturing athletes but i do think we just have to keep saying it Mm-hmm. We have to keep saying it and keep giving reasons behind it because especially for women, as you're going through menopause and as your body is changing, if you don't have the layers built up before that, it's incredibly hard to then add that to your life, I think. But if you if it's just a process that you've built up from your 20s, 30s, 40s, and, and beyond – it's, it's automatic and you can just amplify the, the intensity or you can amplify the focus a little bit more on towards strength away from endurance because what I've seen from working with you over the years is women getting into their 40s and 50s, hitting plateaus and actually getting slower if they continue their routine of longer long, slow duration type of workouts. Yep. But to the, to the opposite effect, if they lower that and increase intensity and amplify strength a bit, they get faster and, and faster than they've ever been. Even, even some of the wonderful athletes we have now PRing all sorts of distances in their 40s and 50s. Like, I, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, and I, and I think the message remains, stays the same as well with uh, pre- and postnatal. Um, mm. Interestingly... You know, right now we have a, a Purple Patch Pro who's six months pregnant, Sarah Pianpiano, doing mm-hmm. very, very well. And a lot of people have asked me about her training routine at the moment. She's six months. She's still doing a, a lot of exercise, strength, running still, um, a lot of swimming, good, good position, aqua jogging, etc. But she is a, a prime example of coming from world-class performance, who obviously had high, high intensity, nothing like that now. But that was her norm. And so she's reduced down to 40%, but it's still a lot of activity. If someone is not doing strength at all or not exercising, you can't suddenly amplify as soon as you get pregnant. It's, it's not a good situation. And so we really want to ensure that we are laying up for the future. And, uh, and I think that's important for the maturing athlete as well. And the one thing I'd add is... For both, you know, knowing that bone density, uh, muscle elasticity, mobility, all of the elements that you really started this conversation, they drop off a cliff unless they, unless they are nurtured. You know, the, the, the plants die quickly if they're not watered. And so it becomes so important to set yourself up with that platform routine and habit so that as physiology wants to 
degrade you, you're actually in a place to accelerate and carry on growing. Would you agree with that premise? I certainly would. And um, I did do a pre-postnatal training certification, and I think it was one of the most interesting and educational experiences I've ever had. And it's one of those things where, like we said at the beginning of the, of the chat, strength gets the bucket of everything. And pre and postnatal training is strength. And it is probably a point where you need it more than anything because there's a hormone in your body, well, in, in not in your body, but in the female body, when you get pregnant called relaxin. And what that muscle does or sorry, hormone does, funny enough, is it relaxes muscles and tissues. So it is critical that these women add stability to their bodies through period of pregnancy. Because if they don't, then when they are finished with that and they're getting returning to training, all of a sudden your, your range of motion skyrockets and you're not used to the way your body feels. So I, I thought that's a little tangent but it's like th this is still strength, adding stability when your body needs it. Yeah, ultimately, and if they come back, they have, they have too much mobility, range of correct. motion. They don't have mm -hmm. the stability or the coordination because it's not Absolutely. moving. And, what, and, the, and similar hormones, they relax your bones. So they make your bones a little more brittle. And then if you let that carry on after pregnancy, well, then that's where things start to, start to get a little gnarly so let's bring it back to the main uh, we are entering at purple patch what we call postseason which is the preparatory phase of training you know most of the athletes as they go through the holidays we are preparing the body for the very hard training that is coming in a few months time and so we can be very very patient and we want to build up we don't want to be having high load as it comes to swim, bike, and run for the triathletes, for example. But what does this mean for strength training? We, we amplify the emphasis of training, but what are we doing in strength at this, this phase, <clears throat> this time of the year? Well, I definitely will call this the, the GPP phase, the general physical preparation phase, and something that we learned in, in macrocycle programming. But it really does get into the layers of people's seasons. So if you do have the layer of strength and you've, you've done these exercises and you feel really good and confident with technique, now is a great time to actually start to lift heavy things. And at first we do it at a, at a bit of a longer, larger scheme, like 10 to 12 reps, build the consistency, build a little bit of muscular strength and muscular endurance. So that again, platform of power, we reduce the reps towards the preseason when it couples with the power training we might do specifically. But that, that's one group of people. There's also another group of people that this is a bit newer, that they don't have the seasons or the layers of strength yet, and this is their chance to build the habit. And I want to say that again, because I know athletes like this and I have athletes like this. This is your chance to integrate and build the habit and accept how good it feels for swim, bike, and run when you're really nailing strength. It is your chance to learn the fundamentals of movement. It is your chance to learn the exercises. It is a chance to improve your technique 
Because if you want it to be a habit and if you want it to be long lasting, as we will prove is beneficial, you got to move well. And I guess in, in many ways, uh, it's, it's for those folks go through the first two phases of the building blocks, yeah? Like your, your uh, building blocks that you started the conversation with. 100%. Um, mobility, stability, got to be a huge focus. And then balance and coordination. Like some, even in a basic bipedal exercise, like a squat, like on both feet or a push-up, you will see people with no coordination. Mm-hmm. Like one side drops a little bit lower than the other. They rotate a little bit. They're not stable. Their their heads bobbing all over the place. That can still be practicing balance. It does. You don't have to be standing on one foot. Um, balancing and coordinating hip motion with knee motion with ankles. That's all part of it. So those athletes don't need to feel bad or feel frustrated that they're not lifting their body weight in the squat rack. They just got to nail it first and get it, get it right. So, so I guess my, my, my next question is the biggest mistakes that endurance athletes make. And I guess the fir- first one you basically alluded to right there is getting going too soon. Yeah. Like g- going, okay, the bench press or the, the heavy squat, like the, the validation that it has to be really hard to be beneficial. So, so I'll lead with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are some of the other mistakes that you see, particularly endurance athletes making in strength? I mean, that's a great one. They, they like to go zero to 60 and, and they use bodybuilding style programs, not specific ones. But in addition, I also notice they don't really try to get stronger. They often use strength as, oh, I'm supposed to do this. It's prevention. So they don't really take it that seriously, and thus they don't get stronger, thus they don't get the benefits of it. So I think uh, especially endurance athletes need to know how to progress in their strength training, Mm -hmm. what exercises they can do, how they can make those more challenging appropriately. Um, And and I guess that's the one thing there is the value of coaching or following a progressive program. Like for, for me, I couldn't go and create i guess i guess i could nowadays but when i was an athlete um racing professionally there's no way that i could build my own strength program that was progressive and tailored for me like i i I had to incorporate a coach to really help me and follow a program to really to to really enable me to progress without a doubt i mean it it is as complex if not more than a swimming workout or and, and it can go in all sorts of directions depending on what your goals are yep you know it can go you, you could train like simone Valles for for the gymnastics olympic finals or you could chain like uh elliot kipchoge you're trying to run under two hour marathon they, they could they both do strength and they could do a squat but one is going to do it very differently than the other what what, what are some of the couple of the other mistakes I also think they skip over technique and form. Mm-hmm. I think they skip over technique on a squat. I think they skip over technique on a deadlift, which is the most critical human motion, in my opinion, in all strength training. Um, and, I, and I do think they, they kind of rush through it because they're trying to get it done. They're trying to get it over. But just improving the form can improve your swim, bike, and run workouts alone. So that's the, the first two biomotor skills. And I'm going to add one more in, mm-hmm. one final one, which is that uh, you talked about creating the habit. 
Mm. I think uh, one for me is the that strays onto the more endurance side of things. Beginning strength now and then letting it trail off as that's as it. you hit the spring and summer. I think that that's just the winter strength demon. I think that's a colossal mistake. And it's basically they don't give it a chance to start to feel good. That's, that's the problem. Is like they don't give it a chance to start realizing the benefit. They do it because they've been told for two months and at minimum, at minimum, I think it takes eight weeks to really feel it, you know, bare minimum. And that's for someone who's probably more experienced, probably closer to 12 for, for the more common athlete. So I'll ask two more questions. And uh, these, are, these are some practical questions mm-hmm. because I'd, I would like you to dispel a couple of myths. Okay. Runners and triathletes. Oh. I don't want to lift because I'm going to bulk up. It's going to slow me down. Oh. Is this true? Are they going to bulk <laughs> up? Are they going to slow down? So many times I've had this conversation. What I would like those people to do is talk to a bodybuilder. I would love them to talk to a bodybuilder and, and learn how complex and intricate it is to truly build muscle mass. It is a science experiment. It's a project. It, it requires very focused training sleep, nutrition, the supporting work for building muscle is incredibly different than the supporting work for a triathlete. I I just don't think the the average runner triathlete, even the elite runner triathlete can build muscle if they're doing four plus hours of cardio at minimum every week. You know, you're doing too much aerobic training to allow your muscles to, to truly build because the the blood vessels are constantly knocking them back down. They're they're Mm -hmm. encapsulating and the capillaries are surrounding your your muscles so they can't grow. So it's just, it is is a myth. It is damn near impossible. The one thing I will say is if if the exception I might come into is ex true, true power athletes. I mean, Olympic lifters, NFL athletes are 100, 200 sprinters. Like they, they might adapt a little differently because yeah. they just have the pathway ingrained for 10 plus years. So if you're, if you're a power lifter, we can talk. Everybody else, it's just not going to happen. You're good to go. <laughs> it, it's funny. I remember back when I was uh, racing, in, uh, I was based in Los Angeles and uh, out of a center that had a, a broad swath of, uh, of athletes, uh, board to sports track and field there was this young athlete called Alison Felix that was a, it turned out to become a reasonably oh, good runner and right. uh, but one of, one of the guys was a power lifter and he would he would park as close as he could and take as few <laughs> steps as he could to get into the gym not to do any cardiovascular oh. conditioning at all but um, there's something that you said that uh, to me the other day that I found interesting which you you um you talked about um Endurance athletes often feeling more density, and that's what they're associating with with bulk. It's like, oh, I'm getting stronger. It's actually feeling more density. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? Because that might be something that that persuades people a little bit. I think it's a wonderful thing to feel. I mean, number one, physique wise, it looks and feels good. It just feels nice. But the a muscle fiber is is infinite. Essentially, you can keep drilling into a muscle fiber. And when you start lifting or doing strength training, it's just the, these muscle fibers that are deep within the muscle are getting more vital. They're, they're coming to life. They're getting a little more blood flow. So your entire muscle 
is just starting to essentially vitalize. It's getting mm. stronger. It's not growing. It, it's feeling a little denser. And I think people might start to feel that sometimes instead of like the mushy, like mashed potato feeling that they normally would get. Like, oh my God, I'm putting on mass. Not really. You're just vitalizing some of this tissue that wasn't vital before. And, um, and if you do weigh yourself and you notice a slight uptick in, in weight, think about that in terms of muscle mass and body composition. So if you're gaining a little bit of muscle mass or muscle integrity, that's not necessarily going to slow you down. In some cases, that could speed you up. And you got to then give it the chance to see if this vitalized muscle tissue will then reduce the body fat that doesn't help you move forward, right? So if you can vitalize the muscle tissue, get a little more density, will it then pull away a little bit of body fat and improve body composition and make you a faster athlete? I, I would I would bet on the on that one. Yeah, it's, it, it's funny. Back in the back in the days, I remember I I got to work with a wonderful runner, Ryan Hall, mm. who looks very different nowadays. He's put oh on a lot God. of it. He's he's gone the other unrecognizable. Side. But I remember working with him to his very well known two hundred four mm-hmm. uh, marathon in Boston, and uh, we we had a one of our friendly spats that we would have. But he was very keen on racing his race weight was 133 to 134 pounds and I persuaded him to be stronger less meek as I called it to, mm-hmm. to step around the head with a frying pan and um, and robust is what I talked about and he ended up racing that race by my, by my memory it's a long time ago now but about 138 pounds still very very light of course but that was assisted by a nice tailwind in Boston that year but an incredible performance um so if I, if I could add one thing, you've said it before too. If you're that's that's a marathoner. What if you're riding a bike or swimming? Yeah. And if you lose weight, like how does that affect your your longevity on the bike? And, and I know you've had pro athletes as well that tried to play the game of getting down in weight, losing power on the bike. It's it's a very very slippery slope, especially when you're starting to put in triathlon. It really is. So. Um the time question, my last question for you. Oof. I don't have time. <laughs> That's uh, well, the, the, the key thing is, I mean, we talked about these building blocks starting all the way with um, with the postural elements going through and uh, the, the building, but we're not talking about having to make strength training the dominant feature of your exercise. You can get a lot done in a pretty short amount of time here. So what do you say to people that just make the proclamation, I don't have time? Well, drop a run, <laughs> do strength. It's, it's your most effective and efficient way to stay healthy per minute. You know, it's, it can have the, a very dramatic effect on your, your sleep, your, as we've talked about a lot. So if you don't have time, prioritize strength. And, and your one or two runs will feel better. Your one or two swims will feel better. So you'll actually show up with a bit more quality little fresher. I mean, if you're just always getting in a 30, 40 minute zone three run, we know how that goes. You just, you flatline, you know? So if you don't have time, do the strength. What we do do that I like sometimes is incorporate a little bit of cycling or a little bit of running. So if you can warm up with a 10 minute jog, or if you can build in, you know, four times one minute intervals on the bike within a strength set, 
boy, that's great. You know, you can... We, we do a lot of that for the time staffed, a lot mm-hmm. of what you would call circuits, but really right. what it is is a, is a blended approach. Uh, my, my old mate, Sami Inkanen, um, replaced dogma with pragma, and <laughs> uh, and that that's really it. Often doing a little bit of hybrid of doing your strength and finishing with a bit of tissue resilience and good form connection to go and run for 10 or 15 minutes, but, but really building it in. And particularly at this time of the year, um, Prioritizing strength, building the other sessions around, I think, is so important. Um, Mike, I'm going to ask you for any last thoughts that you have, but um, but I will say for you guys, that are listeners, that um, that we're going to share one of the Purple Patch strength workouts with you. You can really see some of the movement patterns. You'll see Mike in action and uh, in all of his glorious nature. We're also going to frame up for you those five steps that we talked about so there's no point there's no need to scribble down we're going to share a little a little one sheet of just uh, the roadmap of what mike was talking about with the building blocks and of course you can participate performance academy and get access to the, the strength programming as well and i will say performance academy members next week we're going to do a quote ask me anything session with uh with coach mike here and uh and those folks, Purple Patch Athletes and the Performance Academy members, if you'd like to join, this is what it is like to get behind the curtain and go deep dive and ask any of your questions that you have of Mike. We're going to send the information and the time that that will be for you. But Mike, uh, I- incredible oversight. I really want to thank you. I'm glad that we got to do this. And before you go, have you got any, any last thoughts around strength for the, uh, the listeners? Well, no, thank you so much for including me. I mean, it's I, I just it's always hard putting these things under time. We could talk about this for days. I could talk with you for days. So thank you for having me. I mean, and the, the end goal is that we're just getting all of these things to start moving in parallel. It's not things jumping in and out of the river. We want strength and endurance and health and nutrition and sleep to all just kind of flow together. And, and it's a long project. It's a lifelong project. And I know people will probably listen to this at different times. But, if, I mean, it's, it's always better to start than to not start. Mm-hmm. It's always better to start than to not start. But if there was ever a really good time to just nail it down, it's now. <laughs> We're in the winter postseason. Like, get it going if you're not already. Get it going. And, you know, the funny thing is by going on the project, it is, in fact, the project that provides the yield because we're not even going on a destination. It's That's about right. optimizing what we're doing now. I, I'm going to leave listeners with something that you said to me the other day, which is a single line quote, which I love because it provides real defining perspective of what we're doing here. And it's very simple. It's one line. Strength training is different than weightlifting. That really broke it for me. I thought that was uh, that was terrific. It's like, yes, strength training is vastly different. And so we're not talking about going to Gold's Gym and just throwing heavy weights around. This is functional movement, optimization, platform of health, platform of performance in sport and life. Coach Mike, thank you so much. Performance Academy members... Get your, get your questions ready. And uh, for everyone else, we'll share the link in the show notes as well as on our socials. You can download one of Mike's workouts and get a little bit of framework of how we go about it. Mike, thanks so much for joining. Thank you kindly. I'll see you out there. Well, terrific. 
Coach Mike, thank you so much. That was incredibly enjoyable, so useful, so helpful. I like your great ability to take complex and present it as simple and accessible. And I think that's powerful. And uh, I want to take this chance to say thank you so much for being such an integral part of Purple Patch. And I know that the Purple Patch athletes are so very thankful for all of the work that you do, both as a one-to-one coach, but also as the major architect of the strength programming at Purple Patch. A tremendous effort that you lead, and we really appreciate it. And thanks so much for me finally being able to drag you onto the show. Listeners, remember, you can... Head to the show notes. You can download one of Mike's strength videos that we infuse. We are building up our new strength program as we launch into the new year right now. In fact, as I record, Mike is going into the recording studio to build out all of the videos for the 2021 strength program. So that big phase of preparation and movement patterns that we talked about, Mike is literally on the stage right now with the blinding lights, cameras on him, and recording all of the sessions because we love those video-based strength sessions. And so you can participate if you would like. If you want to have a chance to ask Mike anything and go through, well, Performance Academy members, you get to do so. And if you want to join us in our community with our community Slack thread to talk about this episode and more, head to the website purplepatchfitness.com the Education tab, join Performance Academy. We'd love to have you. Until next time, I want to thank you. Stay strong, like bull, and we'll get going. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!